everybody. Welcome to the Put Cancer Behind You podcast, a series dedicated to helping cancer patients and survivors lead healthy, happy, cancer-free lives. I'm your host, Maria Barnes. Today, I want to talk about what the medical profession says causes cancer and look at whether that's correct. I also want to look at the work done by people outside of the mainstream medical profession, people like Royal Rife, who cured 16 people of terminal cancer while they were participating in a study he was running, and that occurred back in 1934. So let's call this a show about the cause and cure of cancer. I believe it's information we all need to consider. I'll begin with causes of cancer, and on top of that list is genetic determinism. It's an idea that essentially makes the person a victim of their heredity. But is it true? Well, if you go to the National Cancer Institute website, it states that cancer is caused by changes in our genes. It goes on to say that what makes those genes turn themselves on is the result of one or more of the following three things. Number one, random mistakes in our DNA that happen as our cells multiply. Number two, carcinogens in our environment, such as chemicals and tobacco smoke, UV rays from the sun, and the human papilloma virus, or HPV. And third, cancer genes inherited from one of our parents. When I was growing up, I certainly heard that all of those caused cancer. The one that hit home for me was the last one, because as it turns out, we have the breast cancer 2 gene, or BRCA2, in my family. Both my grandmother and mother died from metastatic breast cancer. One of my brothers did as well. Another brother has had skin cancer, but that wasn't terminal, and I have had breast cancer and metastatic breast cancer, which I was told was terminal. So I've had a long relationship with this disease. Just know this, when I was told my metastatic breast cancer was stage four and terminal, I didn't really believe that cancer would take me out, but I also didn't know how I would heal. If you've listened to me talk about how I got well, you know that I say I did it by raising my frequency and that anyone can do it. Whether or not that happens for someone else is up to them. But I know now that all those thousands of individuals who do put themselves into remission every year do it, as unknowingly as I did, by raising their frequency. But let's get back to genetic determinism. Literally thousands of people every year are tested for cancer genes. If their test comes back positive, they're told that they're at a higher risk for cancer to develop, and that if they live long enough, it's almost guaranteed that they will get the disease. That is not good news. In fact, it causes a lot of fear, and that fear is something which gets repressed as we all go about our daily lives. But it's also something that remains in our subconscious minds, and that's really unhealthy. The truth about people who carry cancer genes is that statistically 50% of them do get cancer, but 50% don't. So that means that possession of the gene does not cause cancer. While the cancer gene is part of someone's blueprint, it isn't necessarily their destiny. Why? Because what turns on the cancer gene is not itself. It's a combination of environment, lifestyle, and beliefs, and specifically the low frequency of all of that over a long period of time, which takes down the immune system. From a spiritual standpoint, you could say that cancer is actually a symptom of someone who's not in harmony, not in alignment with source, someone who's skewing towards the negative rather than the positive. 
From an energetic standpoint, it's someone whose energy is blocked, and therefore their body is out of sync. Now, you may have heard of epigenetics. The dictionary defines it as relating to or involving changes in gene activity that do not involve changes in DNA sequence. Epigenetics has generated buzz because it refutes genetic determinism. It supports the idea that our life experiences can modify our genetic inheritance and therefore alter our genetic fate. In short, just because you have the cancer gene does not mean you will get sick with cancer. The idea that something not inherent to a gene can alter its expression is really nothing new. The world is constantly impinging on us in ways that change how our genes are expressed. When we cut ourselves, for example, genes for making new skin cells are turned on. When we learn to play the violin, gene expression in our brain changes. What epigenetics reveals is that consciousness controls your life. Consciousness, or you using your mind, controls everything. Your environment, what you eat, what you think, and how you behave. Because consciousness is tied to your thoughts and beliefs, negative fearful beliefs, all non-loving thoughts and repressed emotions like anger, are what impact your health more than anything else. Now, you may have heard of Dr. Bruce Lipton. He's the author of The Biology of Belief. Bruce is a cell biologist and epigenetics expert who's famous for the stem cell research that he performed at Stanford Medical School. In 1982, he began to look at the principles of quantum physics and how they could be integrated into the cell's information processing systems. His breakthrough studies on the cell membrane showed that the outer layer of the cell is actually the cell's equivalent of a brain. It also revealed that the environment operating through the membrane controls the behavior of the physiology of the cell, turning genes on and off. Genes don't turn themselves on and off. A gene is a blueprint for building proteins. What's key about that is that it does work with an architect, and that architect is your consciousness. So what his research confirmed, in essence, is that genes do not control your biology. Rather, your mind is key to controlling your cells. It's your mind that alters the activity of your genes and can create over 30,000 variations of products from each gene. Yes, we are truly amazing creators. So to be clear, our consciousness shows up as activity from the mind. The kick is that everything in our lives is being created instant by instant by the thoughts and beliefs in our minds. So how is that related to cancer? Well, let's look at how the mind functions. The human mind is divided into two parts, the conscious and unconscious, or subconscious. Our conscious mind represents roughly 5-10% to 10 of our thoughts, while the unconscious part represents the other 90-95%. to 95%. It's there, in the unconscious part of our mind, that all of the information that we absorb becomes our internal representations. Now, according to a study undertaken by researchers at the Brain and Mind Institute at the University of Western Ontario in Canada, humans receive around 11 million bits of information per second. That's way too much to acknowledge consciously. So all of it gets processed in our subconscious mind using our internal filters. This is how we delete, distort, and generalize everything into beliefs that match what we're programmed to accept by society. These beliefs generate thoughts, which then generate emotions. 
So our brains are information processors, basically organic computers. Our subconscious, which is where all of the programs get downloaded to, is like the hard drive of the computer. And it's during the first seven years of our lives that our brains get programmed with fundamental information that we need to function in society, in our families. The programming includes high vibrational thoughts that get downloaded into our brains, as well as low frequency thoughts. And because we each have slightly different internal filters, our perceptions of something will often vary. This explains why we can see the same thing differently from the person standing next to us. We both process the incoming information through our unique filters and due to the different beliefs in our subconscious mind that contribute to our own personal viewpoints, we come up with different models of the world. Your model of the world includes all of your stored internal representations, the beliefs, thoughts, and memories that are made up of pictures, sounds, feelings, tastes, and smells. These are the basis for the mind-body connection, and we use them constantly as a reference for interpreting everything that shows up in our daily life. How many thoughts do we have on any given day? Well, according to a study funded by the National Science Foundation, an average person has between 12,000 and 60,000 thoughts a day. So what kind of thoughts are these? The study determined that up to 80% of our thoughts are negative and 95% of those are repetitive. With such a high percentage of the thoughts running rampant in our subconscious mind being negatively repetitive, the next question has to be, how is this impacting my health? And the answer is, greatly. If enough of your thoughts are positive and high frequency, your body remains healthy because it's vibrating within the frequency range of a healthy immune system, which originally was termed to be 62 to 70 hertz, but that's been extended up to 90 hertz. Anyway, when your thoughts are primarily negative, this causes your body's frequency to dip, and your frequency is then a match to any number of viruses and bacteria that can make you sick. Generally speaking, the lower your frequency, the worse the condition or disease can be. And that's how the mind, or all the negative beliefs we have running in our subconscious, can affect the genes in our bodies. What's important to understand about beliefs and genes, or anything for that matter, is that the frequency of disease must be a match to your immune system for you to get sick. It's the frequency of the thoughts and beliefs that bring down the immunity in a body so that it can become a match to various diseases like cancer. One person who understood frequency very well was a man by the name of Royal Raymond Reif. He was a brilliant 20th century scientist and inventor. During the 1920s, he developed the world's most powerful optical microscopes, which enabled him to magnify living viruses and bacteria up to 30,000 times their normal size. While observing different pathogens, he discovered that each of the organisms he looked at had its own resonant frequency. This led him to invent what he called his rife beam ray. The way it worked was that while he was looking at a live bacterial culture, he would turn on the machine, which produced an electromagnetic field that was tuned into the frequency of the bacteria. Within moments of turning on the field and hitting the correct frequency, the bacteria would die. In short, with his microscopes and frequency instrument, Dr. Reif discovered the use of coordinative resonance to destroy disease-causing microorganisms. In 1934, 
he participated in a cancer research study at the University of Southern California in San Diego. Part of the trial involved using his Rife Beam Ray. He worked with 16 terminal cancer patients, exposing each of them to daily three-minute intervals of the frequencies being emitted from the machine. Three months later, 14 of the patients in the trial were pronounced cured by a staff of five medical doctors. The other two patients were also cured, but outside of the time period for the trial. By now, you must be asking why we've never heard of Royal Rife and his work. Well, what happened is that his work was suppressed by the American Medical Association, and the laboratory that was built to study Rife's discovery was mysteriously burned. Rife himself was sued on trumped-up charges and put out of business, and he died a bitter man in 1971. Since that time, a number of individuals have gone on to produce updated Rife frequency generators that are designed to selectively kill organisms which cause disease. More recently, what's really getting attention is sound healing. Research is demonstrating that particular forms and frequencies of sound can be used to alter the vibratory and physical structures of living systems, including the human body. The key is to know which sonic frequency to apply to the body for various physical disorders. One example is bioacoustics, which is the work of a woman named Sherry Edwards. What she discovered is that the frequencies contained in the human voice are holographic representations of your state of health and wellness. And in working with people, she could hear certain sound frequencies coming from them. Experimenting with audio recordings of those sonic frequencies led her to discover that the sounds had healing effects on listeners, but only when the listeners heard their own unique note or frequency. In essence, Sherry was hearing a kind of frequency missing from a person's energy field. And when the missing note or sound frequency was restored to someone's field by playing a recording of his or her personal sound, various healing effects were noted. This led her to discover that a person's key frequency could be deduced by a computer analysis of his or her sonic voice pattern. One case that Sherry worked on involved a man who was suffering from severe zinc poisoning. He was in a critical care setting with a grave prognosis for recovery. She went in, and within 15 minutes of being exposed to his key sound frequency, his vital signs stabilized. After continued exposure with the bioacoustic tapes, the excess zinc was excreted from his body through his hair, which turned red. What I want to say about all of this is that when it comes to the cause of cancer, the first thing we can rule out is that your genes will make you sick. That's great news for people who have cancer genes in their personal blueprint. It's clear that poisonous water, air, and food do play a role in the development of cancer, but if it were only those that brought on cancer, we'd see a lot more people getting sick from their environment. Around the world, humans live in deplorable conditions, but if you walk through some of the areas, a lot of people are still thriving. Why? Because despite their environment, they're loving life, they're being creative, they're positive, and have dreams that spur them on. Nothing beats the human spirit when it comes to surviving, and that's a matter of energy frequency. So take note, go have fun, go do what you love, and make it a priority to be grateful for everything and everyone that's part of your life. And if you do get sick, you might want to consider therapies or modalities that are outside of the mainstream medical world. A lot's going on there, 
and a lot of it bodes well for humanity and good health. So remember, you are the creator of your world. No one is coming to save you. Step into your power and focus on love and joy and happiness. Feel into it as if your life depended on it, because it does. Here's wishing you a healthy, happy, vibrantly loving life story. Thank you for listening to Put Cancer Behind You with Maria Barnes. So you won't miss a single episode. We hope you'll follow our program on Apple Podcasts or any of your favorite pod platforms. And be sure to visit us at mariabarnes.net, on Facebook at Put Cancer Behind You, on Twitter at PCBY01, or on Instagram at mariabarnespcby. Also, you can help us grow our audience by leaving a thoughtful review. Remember, if you or someone you know is in need of cancer coaching, Maria is here to help. We'll see you next time. Copyright 2023, Maria Barnes, LLC, all rights reserved.